Welcome to the All About Setwork podcast. In this podcast, we talk about all things setwork. That can include train tips, a behind scenes look at what your instructor or trial official may be going through, and much more. In this episode, I want to talk about the allure to rush. <laughs> Before we start diving into the podcast episode itself, let me do a very quick introduction of myself. My name is Diana Santos. I'm the owner and lead instructor for Setwork University, Dog Sport University, and Pet Dog U. These are online dog training platforms that are designed to provide high quality dog training instruction, and we're very fortunate to have a client base that's worldwide. For Setwork University in particular, we provide online courses, seminars, webinars, and eBooks that are all designed to help you achieve your Setwork training goals, whether you're just getting started in Setwork, looking to develop some more advanced skills, or if you are interested in trialing, we have a training solution for you. So now that you know a little bit more about me, let's dive into the podcast episode itself. So in this episode, I want to talk about the allure for people to rush when we're talking about Setwork, particularly when we're talking about people who are interested in trialing. But this also just means rushing as far as what it is that you may be asking yourself or your dog to do when you are doing Setwork. This is a rather large topic, <laughs> and it also can be a pretty emotional one too. I just want to put it out there that it's understandable why people would fall into this pitfall. and. As an instructor, it is very challenging to try to always be in the position of, okay, guys, let's take a deep breath and let's pump the brakes. Because obviously the response is, well, you just want me to be in this level or to, for my purposes, you just want me to take more classes or you want me to take more webinars or whatever else, because you just want more of my money. And that couldn't be further from the truth. (laughs) I want to ensure that you and your dog actually have the skills so that you can both be successful with whatever it is that you're trying to do, whether it's trialing or not. And I know that rushing ahead can cause a lot of issues. So let's talk about the issues that rushing can cause to start with. First of all, it can give you a false sense of security that you and your dog are actually prepared when you're not. When we're talking about trialing in particular, I would say pretty much across the board, for all the various competition organizations that are available, at least here in the United States, you could probably get by just fine for at least the entry level of competition, maybe even the one above that with some of the organizations, even if you're rushed. And that can really cause a lot of issues because that may not actually be indicative of what you and your dog are doing together as a team. It may not be indicative of all the skills that you need to do well in the level above that. (laughs) So it's very possible that you can, as an example, fly through AKC, novice and advanced, and then suddenly find, wow, we're having a really hard time. We see this also a lot in NACSW, where you may get your NW1, you may get your NW2, and then people languish in NW3. There's just a really big jump from some of these levels. And that's why, again, taking your time and really developing all of the skills that are needed on both ends of the leash is so important. And that involves learning and learning takes time. And it's not just the learning for your dog. You have to do learning too. And even if you have lots of experience just in dog training, or if you even have lots of experience in set work, you could have been doing this for years with other dogs. You now have to apply all of that knowledge to this dog. Again, this gets so complicated so quickly. (laughs) And I get it. I really do understand the allure to rush. There's a lots of different reasons why people may want to rush, particularly when we're talking about trialing. Maybe they are working with friends. 
either in a class or they're just working together. And maybe one of the friends decided to go trial, right? And now everyone else is kind of like, oh, now we're kind of missing out. <laughs> we want to go trial too. And maybe it was just a really innocent thing of, okay, sure, we'll all enter into the trial. And the, the thing that you'll hear is, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if we queue or not. We're just going to have fun together. And, you know, sure enough, the day comes, like, I really do want to queue. <laughs> and then if you do, wow, is that addicting, right? We love those yeses. Those yeses and cues and the titles and the ribbons are great. And now you want some more. So then you keep rushing more, right? It's, it just kind of feeds on itself. So there's that possibility. Then you have the possibility that you're already competing in other dog sports with maybe even this dog, right? And you guys are going, you're trying, and you're having a good time. And now you want to be able to have the good time with Satwark too, right? Particularly for things like AKC, Satwark, where you could potentially be at a trial that's offering other types of events, you know, obedience or confirmation or something. There may also be a Satwark trial going on at the very same time. So you can kind of like ping pong back and forth. <laughs> or within the same weekend, they're offering the same type of events, then it's almost like, of course I would be entering into the summer trial. Why wouldn't I? I'm already going to be competing in X, Y, or Z. So there's that. Then there are the people who are coming into set work after reaching a fair amount of accomplishment, or they've gone through the levels and they've really had a great time in another dog sport, but maybe their dog had to retire from that dog sport. And it could have been a pretty sudden retirement. You know, maybe it's an injury or something like that. So this person is very accustomed to, you know, going to trials fairly regularly in this other sport. And they had gone up the levels and, and they're just kind of in a rhythm. And now they're doing set work. Well, now they want to be able to do that same thing with set work. <laughs> and it could be a real big adjustment to be like, okay, I was trialing every weekend or every other weekend or whatever. And now all of a sudden we're not trialing at all. Like that can be a really big mental shift for the person. Then you also have the fact that now that there are so many organizations, at least here in the United States, there's lots of different options to trial, which has actually made the alert to rush, I think, worse. <laughs> Whereas before, when it was just NACSW, that there was like this... I have to get into this trial because it's the only one that's going to be in my area for maybe months or years or whatever else. And I don't know when I'm going to have another chance. So I'm going to do as much work and preparation that I can to get into this trial and have a hope and a prayer of passing it. But now that there are a lot more opportunities, which again, more opportunities is not bad, but because it's kind of everywhere, now there are, it seems to be a higher tendency for people to want to rush. I don't know what the correlation is, but it's definitely there. There is a correlation. I'm just not sure exactly what the connection is. I don't know if it's just because more people know about it. I don't know if there's more accessibility, so they don't want to lose out on that opportunity. I'm not really sure. But the point is, is that regardless of the reason, the fallout for rushing is exactly the same. You are assuming that your dog understands something because they found that hide one time in one training session, as an example. That doesn't mean they actually understand it. You have to be able to show them that odor puzzle in a bunch of different contexts, where there are other hides in the space, where there's that odor puzzle in all the different search elements, where you're doing things in familiar locations and unfamiliar locations, when you run it on leash, when you run it off leash, where then are distractors present, when there aren't distractors present, when there's different weather. Like, Again, I'm only brushing the surface as far as the types of things that we should be doing in our training. 
But all of that is learning that the dog absolutely needs. But again, that's only one part of the equation. You have to learn a whole lot as well. You're a very important part of the team. And by rushing ahead, you're kind of jipping yourself as a handler because you're not taking the time to hone your eye as far as understanding what your dog may be communicating to you in a search. You're not figuring out maybe how to use your leash or your long line effectively. You're not learning how to handle within the actual search so that you're supporting your dog, you're not hindering your dog. You're not figuring out all the mental management that you may need to do, particularly if you're interested in trialing, of going through the various searches, having that on-off button of waiting and waiting and waiting to search, and suddenly you're doing a bunch of searches and you're back to waiting. (laughs) All these various things that, again, there's a lot to learn. And that just takes time. So rushing ahead is problematic because then you could be learning things that you don't want to be learning. You could be learning bad habits. You could be developing superstitious behaviors. You could be creating really bad associations with things. You could be creating history that now you have to kind of chip away at so that you can develop better skills and habits. It's kind of a mess. But for me as an instructor, what is so... Uh, heartbreaking, I guess, is when I try to explain this to everyone and their response is, oh, well, you know, I want to make sure that I maximize on the time because, you know, I want to make sure that that we're, we're getting everything. We're checking off all our boxes on our wish list, as it were, or our bucket list. And because look, this other person, they were able to go all the way from starting at the very beginning and they got their NW3 Elite, as an example. And they did all that within a year and a half. I want to be like that. It's like, ugh. <laughs> okay, well, let's break this down. First of all, everyone's journey is absolutely different. I don't care if they have the same dog, same type of breed of dog that you do. I don't care what they post on social media. You do not know what that person is doing off of social media. You don't know how often they're training. You don't know what their experience level is going into this. You also don't know how much they're traveling to get those titles. That matters. (laughs) There are people who quite literally travel the entire country of the United States getting their titles because they have a date in mind. I am going to get a title by this date because that's important to them. That's neither here nor there, but that's a fact. So if you're telling me that you do not want to get an RV (laughs) and travel tens of thousands of miles in a year to get a title by a certain date, but you still want to get the title by a certain date, yeah, this is probably not going to work out too well. If you also don't want to be training seven days a week, if you don't want to be doing your job, working really late, and then coming home and then doing a bunch of intense training with your dog all of the time, then yeah, like these are the things that are just, I wish I had better way of conveying to clients. It's like, guys, like, We cannot be comparing ourselves, particularly off of things you see in social media. You're not getting the full picture. And it doesn't matter. (laughs) This whole thing of, oh, I got to get it within a year. Why? They're not going anywhere. And also for an organization like NSCSW, you title out, you literally title out. You cannot compete anymore. So now you've rushed through and now you can't do the trials that you may have liked and enjoyed so much. That's kind of poopy. (laughs) And there are people who absolutely complain about that loudly. And they say, oh, you know, now I'm out. Like, yeah, but you also rushed. Be like, 
you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, I want to be able to get my title by X date, but oh, now I did and now I'm mad. Like, make up your mind. <laughs> but even for other organizations where maybe you can stay in, maybe you can, you know, stay in different levels, maybe you can go down levels, whatever else. I think that's fine. But I know that these things aren't going anywhere. If anything, there's going to be more opportunities to do trialing and to get ribbons and to get different accolades and everything else. That's all fine. And then there are people who are like, well, I want to make sure that I'm maximizing on the time with my dog. I have to tell you from personal experience that trialing may not be the way of doing that. So I'll just share this very quickly. You can take what you like with it. I had lots of plans with my boy, Valor. And he was six years old. And I had planned that we were going to be doing all these various things. And then I found out that he had terminal cancer. And all of those were immediately next. (laughs) They just all went away. Now, could I have said, okay, we are going to jam pack your calendar. And we're going to enter into every single trial for every different dog sport that we do because we've only got a little bit of time left, I guess. But for me, I look at trials from the dog's perspective. And it's not that he didn't like trialing. He did. He enjoyed it. But if I'm talking about seconds and hours, minutes and days that I was holding on to with him, when we're at a summer trial, he's in his crate. We come in, we do a search for maybe a couple of minutes. If that, more often than that, a couple of seconds. <laughs> And then he's back in his crate again. And I'm just on my phone working. That's not quality time. That's not what I wanted our last few, however long we were going to have be. Instead, we went to the beach and he had no rules applied to his life. So you want food that I'm eating? You can have whatever it is. You want to take a walk around the block and you want to pull like there's no tomorrow? Okay. You want to pee on everything? Great. You want to chase lizards? Be my guest. Whatever you wanted to do, little dog, you can absolutely do that. And he loved it. He had the best time. And basically, I just try to rearrange my life so even more so than it already was. But everything was about him during those few months. I don't even know if it was months. It was a very short period of time that we had left together. And I wanted it to be about that. I wish I'd even done more. I wish that I hadn't. I wish I'd really just taken a sabbatical from work and I just shelved it. But my big flaw is that I always put work first and foremost, and it's something that I will feel guilty about till the day that I die, that I did not just say, you know what, we're just going to put a pause on all this stuff, you know, for the sake of my dog. But the point being is that I don't think that me trying to jam in all those trials would have been the quality time with him. Oh, you're making memories, I guess. (laughs) For me, it just didn't equate. It just didn't equate at all. So the reason why I'm bringing that up is you absolutely can have everything taken away from you in an instant. So that doesn't mean that you should be rushing and making that journey really messy. Instead, it should be enjoying the whole of the journey, allowing the dog to really learn, allowing yourself to learn, allowing you both to really revel in everything that you are experiencing and undertaking and and learning together and knowing that, yeah, it's not going to be a straight line. There's going to be, oh, we're doing great. Oh, wow. We're really struggling with this. <laughs> and that's just part of it. That should be part of the fun of it. But I have to tell you that as an instructor, when I have these conversations with clients and I try 
every which way that I possibly can to underline how insidious rushing can be, how easy it can be fall, to fall into this pitfall, the issues with it, why you should be taking a little bit more time, ensure that your dog is learning, ensure that you're learning, all this stuff. And they kind of go, uh-huh, and then they go off and they rush anyway. And then things that, again, I could foresee were going to happen because it's not that I'm, you know, omnipotent, it's because that's what happens with everybody. <laughs> I feel awful. I feel like such a failure as an instructor because my job as a teacher is to let my clients know, hey, you know, there's a big hole coming up. Let's avoid that hole. And I can explain what the hole is. I can explain what's in the hole. And, oh, here's these other paths that we can take to go around. We can just turn around and go another way, whatever. And if they still end up in the hole, to me, that's my fault. (laughs) I could have tried everything to prevent them from getting into the hole, but they're still there. And now I need to try to figure out how to get them out. But I just wish that people understood, at least for me personally, I would assume that other instructors feel this as well, that it's such a huge hit on me where I'm like, okay, well, clearly I am not shaped up to be a good instructor (laughs) because... I am not conveying this the way that that is effective, apparently. And, you know, it causes, you know, a whole string of depression. And, you know, I'm depressed anyway. But then it's like a couple of days. Okay, well, now I need to quit. need to close the business. need to just wait for my heart to give out. And, you know, then I can stop being a burden to the world. Like, it's it's bad. (laughs) That's saying that, you know, hopefully no other instructors go through that kind of downward spiral. But the reason I'm saying any of that is to underline how... Helpless sometimes I can feel to be like, I just want the best for you and your dog. This isn't about money. Like, you don't have to ever do any training, pay training with me again, but just understand the concept (laughs) that I don't want you guys to be going down a briar patch unnecessarily, where you could have just pumped the brakes for a little bit and really ensured that the dog understands what it is that they're doing. You understand what you're doing. Enjoy the journey part. And then all these other stuff, as far, particularly as far as trialing is concerned, it's just a cherry on top. But if you rush, it can cause a lot of problems. So to wrap this up, <laughs> I understand why people or some of the reasons why people may want to rush. And again, this isn't just about trialing. It can also just about be doing the, the game for yourself, you know, playing on your own, playing with friends and going, oh, well, you know, we don't need to, you know, break this up into smaller steps. We're going to go from, you know, step A all the way to step Z because we think that it's fun or, you know, all they can do it or whatever. And then when the dog struggles or it's kind of messy or other things happen, then you get upset. It's like, I know. <laughs> That's why we, we tell you, like, take these smaller steps instead. So I get it. I understand the allure, but just know that I am not promoting people to take their time because I want them to be poor. <laughs> I'm not promoting people to take their time because I want them to spend more money with me. That has nothing to do with it. I don't want them to be stuck in a situation where they've rushed ahead and now they're in a place where all these holes are showing themselves in their training and that's all eating away at the relationship they have with their dog. And it's causing them as a handler to do some weird stuff as a handler, superstitious behaviors, they're building up a negative association, different history and habits that now you have to fix. It could be demotivating to the dog and it's just all gross and it's all avoidable. 
all these things are challenging enough on their own when we aren't making it harder simply by how we approach it. So I hope that everyone at least gives us a thought and understand there's a lot of different ways that we can fall into this pitfall, particularly people who have multiple dogs. If you've gone through a whole bunch of training and everything else with one dog, they've gone through all the levels, they're doing great, everything is fantastic, you've done that whole journey, and it may have been over a long period of time, the whole lifespan of the dog, (laughs) and now you have another one, you have to remind yourself that you're starting all over again. And that can be really hard. (laughs) But it's true, right? And you are also starting over for you. Like you got to where you are with dog A. You now have to start all over again with dog B. And that's not a bad thing. I think it's a great thing because now you have an opportunity to use all the skills that you've learned, but now develop new ones. I hope that people take this stuff to heart that, and at least for me, if anyone ever listens to the podcast or they work with me or anything else, please know all of my training, my goal with my training is that you don't have to work with me forever. I want you to then take the skills that I may provide to you and then go off and be a little baby trainer of your own. And then go off and fly, fly away, little bird. (laughs) Like, I'm not looking for you to have to be, you know, beholden to me forever and just, oh, just give me your money forever. That's not what I want. That's not the purpose to me. That's not the goal of a teacher. The goal of a teacher is to give the student the skills that they need so they can go off and do things. And if that's after one time of working with me, if that's after no times working with me, just working with, you know, listening to the podcast and not giving any money at all, that's great. I don't care. <laughs> so please, if ever someone is listening to me and I'm like, hey, you know, why don't we, you know, take a break or let's pump the brakes. So maybe we should break this down to smaller pieces. It's not because I'm sitting there going, okay, well now I'm going to have you sign up for all these things and take these mo- this money away from you. That has nothing to do with it. It's because I want to ensure that you and your dogs are successful. And I'm going to assume that that outlook is the same for most, if not all of my colleagues, that we just want you and your dogs to do well. So I hope that this helps. (laughs) I don't know if it does, but I just want people to at least think about these things, that the allure to rush, again, whether you're trialing or not, is there. It's very strong. It's easy to fall into. It is riddled with issues. Comparing yourself to other teams, particularly stuff you see on social media, is not a good idea <laughs> at all. Putting dates on things, I don't think personally is a good idea. That's just not the way that learning works. But everyone's personality is different, and that's fine. But just make sure that you do something that's fair to you and your dog. And if you're noticing that, hey, you know, things aren't going the way that I had hoped, or Eh, things are looking a little messy. It could very well be that you just went too fast on something. That because your dog did a search once, you thought that they got it, but really they don't. They did that one search well, which is great, but now we need to do that in a bunch of other contexts. (laughs) Maybe you did something once and you did it well. That's great. Well, now you need to do it in a bunch of other contexts. So I hope that stuff makes sense, but as always, I want to hear from you guys. (laughs) What were your thoughts? What are your comments? And let me know if there are any other topics you guys are interested in us talking about. I am reaching out to our instructors to do a couple of roundtables with them about a variety of different important topics that came up. 
really interesting conversations I'm looking forward to having. We're going to be continuing our spotlight series where we talk to other individuals or businesses about how they're giving back to the Setwork community. And we're also going to be continuing our series about the participants of Cyber Setwork. Fun, fun, fun. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Happy training. We look forward to seeing you soon.